And the translation I'll be reading from is the CEV translation, but as always, we welcome and encourage you to read in whatever language or translation, translation is the one that resonates with you most. So again, this is Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, welcome, and uh, just want to point you to the connection cards back there above the where Michael is pointing, above the, off, the old school offering box. Um, feel free if you want to have any prayer requests or anything like that, or just want to be contacted. Uh, we promise we'll get to those, <laughs> and uh, we'll put, put that in, and uh, uh, yeah, so those are connect cards. You can also fill an online one. Um, there was a QR code in our, one of our slides. Um, God is good all the time. God is good all the time. So uh, I'm looking for a prop. Uh, I was looking for a three-legged stool, and I saw one because actually there aren't that many three-legged stools. Most stools are four-legged, I realized. Um, but this is a three-legged stool, and when we were first planting Renew, um, uh, you know, the covenant denomination was pretty well known for its church planting and its church planting resources and the money they give to church plants and whatnot. And in, in the church planting manual, they have what's called the three-legged stool uh, metaphor. And... You know, the three-legged stool, basically, the metaphor is you need all three legs of the stool, right? What happens when you take away one? It falls over. What happens if you take away two? It falls over. What happens if one is longer than the other or one is shorter than the other? It tips or falls over. And so that was a metaphor, an analogy for how you're supposed to build up a leadership or uh, the mosaic of gifts in your church. And the three legs of the three-legged stool, stool uh, when it comes to uh, kind of general typing of people, they said um, was chemistry, strategy, and spirituality, right? So let me uh, fill that out more. And we used to, you know, get, you know, the whole room and be like, for those of you who are more strategy people, go to that corner. More chemistry people, go to that corner. More spirituality people, go to that corner. And uh, so strategy are like, let's stop talking about stuff and let's put this in action. People that like to implement, make the list, the to-do list, and get the task going. Those are the strategy people. The chemistry people are like, let's have a party, right? Let's have fun. Let's get a, a picnic going, uh, outdoor potluck, barbecue. Like, we need to mesh as a community. We need to, you know, 
let's, the chemistry people are like the relational, like we do things relationally or feel things relationally. And then there's the spirituality people, and those are the people like in a meeting, say a, a strategy meeting, they'll be like, I feel like God is calling us to stop talking and pray and listen right now, <laughs> right? Those are the spirituality people. And if you, uh, we'll take, put it this way, how many of you feel like you're, you're, you're mostly strategy people? Okay, all right, that's good, we need more of you. Um, chemistry people, yeah. And then spirituality, yes, awesome. Um, so my, I, I believe my top, well, my thing changes based on what group I'm in, <laughs> who's surrounding me, uh, but my top is chemistry and then uh, 1B is, is strategy, um, but I wouldn't say like task orientation is my like in that in strategy in terms of that, more like how, you know, anyways. So chemistry, um, so I really like, I, let's take poker for instance, if I was playing poker, I don't, sometimes when I play Texas Hold'em or when I used to play Texas Hold'em for wagers, um, uh, I wouldn't even play the cards. You know, I'm playing the people, right? So it's like the relational dynamic, you know, the cues, the tells that are happening at the table, how, what people are saying, that weighed a lot more for me because I'm a chemistry person. I'm thinking about the people, right? Or. Settlers of Catan, how many of you play Settlers of Catan, right? So a strategy person is like, strategy is like, I'm gonna win this by victory points, I'm gonna get my, wait, I'm gonna do, or we, I'm gonna do, get my, uh, what are those cards called? Resources. Re no, the cards with the victory points. I'm gonna get those cards and I'm gonna get longest road, whatever. That's my strategy, right? Um, the chemistry person is like, the chemistry person is like, how can I lay low so everyone, or how can I, you know, affect the dynamic so everyone goes against that person and lay low and no one like put the robber on me, no one like go against me, and everyone wants to trade with me, right? Win-win situation, when you're playing the people. Uh, the spirituality and spirit <laughs> katana is the person who's praying that they can win, right? <laughs> like, yes. And the point of the three-legged stool is you can't be overloaded on one side. You ha all three have to be present and all three have to be just as valued, just as strong. Then you have uh, a diversity of thinking, a diversity of decision-making, um, a diversity of giftedness and personalities that'll help your community, your church, in this case, church, to thrive. Right? So think of if me as a high chemistry person, let's have a party and let's do this event, this event. Like, as a gatherer in the beginning, it's like, that's great, we're gathering people, people are excited and having fun, are part of this community. And then we gotta move into a facility and we're thinking about, you know, what do we do with locks? What do we do when people ask us to rent out the building? leadership teams, when you think about that, then you're like, oh my gosh, children, you know, 
insurance, liability insurance. It's like, ah, small, the church grows. It's like small groups. What do we do about, we got youth now. What do we do with youth? Then we start like, oh, we got to plan. We got to organize. We, and that's where I'm like, strategy people, where are you? It's not just a party. It's like, come on. And the whole thing doesn't work, right? Unless God is building the house, unless the Holy Spirit is involved, like the workers, the laborers work in vain, right? And that's where we have to underline, undergird everything with prayer, right? With listening, with centering ourselves, because we can't go before God. We can't go before God's spirit. And, right, all of our plans are futile if the power of God isn't there. And so all of that needs to be balanced. In the same way, so we're getting, work with me, in the same way we're in our spirit-led series, I think earlier Allison mentioned, you know, three persons, one God, right? Trinity, right? We, we believe in the Trinity. What does that mean? If you look at our core beliefs um, on our website, renewlinwood.church, um, you go to new here. I'm doing it. I'm navigating it. And there's a section underneath called our core beliefs. Um, what do we believe about God? We say, we believe there is one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect and eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's kind of the, uh, if you're an alien coming down and listening to Christianity, you're like, three, God is three persons, but still one God? Isn't that three gods? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And so, trust me. Hundreds of years, thousands of years of Christians have argued what exactly the Trinity is, but it's a mystery, right? There's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and one in one God, in one God. Um, and what do we believe about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, um, we believe it is the Holy Spirit that instills in our hearts Desire the desire, the hearts of people to turn to Christ, right? And it's the Holy Spirit who assures people that Christ dwells within them. It assures us that Christ is in us. And it is the Holy Spirit who enables our obedience to Christ and conforms us to Christ's image. And it's the Holy Spirit in us that enables us to continue Christ's mission in the world. The Holy Spirit gives all of us, each of us, spiritual gifts as individuals and binds us together, all of those gifts together as a mosaic, as his own body, an expression of love in the world. Are you with me, church? The Holy Spirit is the real-time power of the mission of God through God's people, the church, and the power to convict. I would add in scripture as the community studies or reads scripture together, it's the Holy Spirit that makes, right? You can learn knowledge of the Bible, but it's the Holy Spirit that waters that seed of the word in our hearts and 
helps that seed to take root and is the photosynthesis of that seed that actually convicts and makes transformation happen. That's the work of this Holy Spirit. Are you with me, church? And God, not to oversimplify, is a three-legged stool, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That metaphor is probably, there's, you can probably poke holes in it. There's a lot of problematic things. But um, I'll say this. God, in God's self, loves relationally, right? And within God, in God's self, God is relational by nature. And so in the Trinity, we see the relationality of God's love. Does that make sense? If there are a model for people and how to love, you can't love in isolation, right? There was a great movie called Crash back in the day. And it says, one of the characters says, sometimes I just need to crash into someone else, right? I just need to have conflict or butt up against someone so I know who I am and that I exist, right? In isolation, how do you know yourself except in relationship with someone else, right? Descartes or whatever said, I think, therefore I am, right? But that's limited. You, you can think in isolation, but you don't completely know who you are unless you're in relationship, right? Right? All of us who are in relationships know that, that we understand more fully about who we are when we interact with the other. And so we are relational creatures because we're created in God's image, and God in God's self is relational by nature. God is the God of dance. So the fancy word for dance is perichoresis, which people, when they talk about the Trinity, talk about perichoresis. And basically, that means dance. It's, it means breaking it down. It means moving, creating space and moving around and creating that space. So what that means, like when you dance with someone, say you're dancing with someone, you're not just moving as you will if you have a partner, but you're moving in relationship to the other person, right? And if you're a good lead, right, you're able to, you know, cue the other person, I should spin this way or I should turn this way, right? You're moving in relation relative to the other. And so there's a writer, uh, Clark Pinnock, who talks about this perichoresis and kind of uh, has a critique of the Western church or Western radical individualism. Because in our radical individualism, we say, I can be in my closet. I, my faith is my own. My faith is a private thing, and so I can have faith, right? And I know I, my identity is my identity alone, right? And the problem with that is, once again, no, I, our identity comes in relationship with others. You can't be without others being with us. And we more fully know who we are in relationship, in dance uh, with one another. I think there's a slide above this. That's like the last slide. There we go. The dance of us. And so an example is 
in Korean, is that the next slide? In Korean, uh, there's a word, uri. Not Pastor Uriel back there, but uri, which means us, right? Us. And so my mom, for instance, will say, urichi, which means our house, or urichi saram, or to, to say, uh, my, my dad will say, urichi saram, which is to describe my mom, which is our house's person, right? Uri kewe, our church. So every, everything you say, there's a uri, there's a, a plural uh, subject, right? Uri, our house, our church, our car. Um, and in that, there's kind of a, a collective, even in the ways that Koreans eat. If you've ever been to a Korean restaurant, right? There's, they bring out the side dishes, uh, and they bring out the stews, and you're like, do we just eat it <laughs> like together? Like in the age of COVID, it's kind of like, uh, right? But that's how we eat. We eat once, you know, all our spoons are going into one stew. All our chopsticks are going into the same side dishes, right? It's all held collectively. It's all family style instead of, you know, where are my side dishes? Where is my plate that I'm going to eat, right? There's a difference in that, even in that eating style. And so built into a lot of Asian cultures or collectivistic cultures, we call them, um, there's that uri, right, in Korean culture, our, us, and that's built in, it's natural, right? And so when we look at our passage, Genesis 1, you see, then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us. I, I remember when I first read this, I did a double take. It's like, what? Like, what's going on here? Like, there's many gods? Like, God is speaking like he's a, what do you call it, split personality, multiple personality? Like, what's happening here? Um, the word is plural, um, but the verbs are singular, right? So the, the nouns are plural and the verbs are singular. Many people, you know, when they argue this, they say, oh, it's just using, God is using the royal we, right? Like the Queen of England, our kingdom, let, you know, come and bow before us, right? But it's one person. So that's one argument or one kind of counter to this notion that God um, is plural in and of himself, though he's one, right? And, and so... Um, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things. Um, regardless of how we interpret the grammar or why there's the plural there, whether it's a royal we or royal us, or if it's, you know, God kind of expressing the Trinity in his language. Contextually, we can see that the Trinity is present at creation in the Old Testament, right? What do we see at the beginning of Genesis 1? The spirit hovered over the chaos, right? And then what happens? God said with his word, he brings creation. So we have spirit 
word and creator, right, God, um, in there, we have to look at John chapter 1, the Gospels, to give us some kind of insight into the word, right? Because John says the word became flesh, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? So the word is Jesus Christ. And so at creation, we have the spirit of God hovering, the word of God, God saying the word and creation happening and God in God's self. Are you with me, church? So there's a Trinitarian aspect. We, we have the implied or like the hint or the seed or the, imbe- the embedded trinity um, at creation. What does this tell us? What does it mean that God is Udi? Udi is not God, <laughs> not Udi, our Udi, but God is us, the usness of God. And what does it mean then if God is usness? What does it mean that that we are created in God's image? I think it means that we are built and created to be us, right? To be relational, to love relationally, to, to move in relation to one another for the dance. We are built to dance with one another for perichoresis. Are you with me, church? So what does this all have to do with spirit-led, with this Holy Spirit? And I, I want to refer back to the three-legged stool. I think oftentimes, because of our individualistic mindset, we, we tend to, in the, the Western church, to diminish or marginalize Holy Spirit which is God, we believe that, we say that in our creeds, we say that in our prayers, we diminish the role of the Holy Spirit or that the Holy Spirit is God, right? And it becomes the short leg. And so we're unbalanced in our worship, in our expressions, um, in our ministry, in our mission. The Trinity emphasizes the relationality and dynamism in God's nature. God did not need us. God did not need creation. He did not have to create humanity, right? Why creation then? Why make human beings? Creation was a natural expression of who God is, right? God is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were created by the let us, inherent in God's word action, right? In his eyes, after he creates everything, after he creates humanity, he says, very good, right? People are very good. In the creation of, uh, in the second part of creation, what does he say? It's not good for Adam to be alone, right? Again, there's this relationality. He needs to be in relationship with someone. God is love in relationship, right? We say God is love, but how do we experience and know love? It's in relationship. God is love in relationship. 
love for and relationship with the other is inherent in God's being and at the core of his purposes in the world. The doctrine of Trinity gives a fuller insight to the beautiful relationality of God, the dance, perichoresis. God in himself is community and creation is the image and expression of this communality. As the image of God, we are, we are Uri, rather than I am. We are, rather than I am. What would it look like, church, if we, our approach to community, our approach to ministry, our approach to church was more we are rather than I am or I want. God wants in us. Um, like I said, in the West, we tend to emphasize the standing apart of the individual, right? In order, individuality is like the ultimate expression of personality. Like personality, I am this, set apart from other people. I am distinct from other people, right? And I think this is great. We have great artists, great musicians, like creativity, all that comes out of individual expression, right? But it also gives us a blind spot, right? I'm not going to get into this, but sometimes it gives us a blind spot in terms of do, do, what are we doing for the whole, right? What are we doing the, for the whole of our nation? What are we doing for the, the whole of our church? What are we doing for the whole of our community, right? How do my actions affect the greater good, affect the collective good. Are you with me, church? Where a person in Western Coast reports to the individual um, in the, through the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son, it signifies relationality, right? We are most ourselves in community. We are most ourselves in community. So as we shared a meal here in worship and as we will share a meal afterwards, it's while I'm sitting with you guys face to face at the banquet of God, the table of God, where I begin to come closer to my true identity. That's radical, right? It's radical, and I think a lot of, like, I think our nation needs to learn this, right? We're so used to talking at each other right now, right? Like, whatever happened to listening and dialogue, right? Right now, it's just, you are in that camp, I'm in this camp, boom, 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 right? And there's, I think the church can lead in this, like, how to have different opinions and still be together. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's Jesus. You do that in Jesus, right? Because Jesus said, I am your peace, right? I hold all things together. I am the reconciler. I am the bridge builder, 
right? And as people of God, we are ambassadors of Christ in the world to build bridges, right? To bring people of different ideas, different backgrounds to the same table because we're all family. Amen? And this all stems is founded on the Trinity, right? The three persons in one God. Woo! And so, I think my, when you see the Holy Spirit at work, you see different people's gifts emerging, right? It's not just one person going, ah, and leading. Though we tend to love our heroes, right? We tend to love our heroes. Um, it's kind of like Saul, give us a king. Saul is a head taller than everyone. Give us a tall pastor. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> I, give us a king. But when the Holy Spirit is at work, God, different voices, different gifts, different offerings come and we see the whole picture. Yes. Why? So that God can be glorified yes. and neighbor the can be loved and not one person be lifted up. Amen? That is the church that is spirit-led. I realize that as I talk, the more I preach about the Holy Spirit, the less job security I should have. <laughs> and that's good. That's, that's what every pastor, every leader should be working towards is the elimination of self, the need, the body's need of that person, that's, that gift to be maintained and uplifted in order to survive. That's revolutionary, right? That's kind of like, oh, upside down. Um, yeah, the relationality, the spirit at work, and the spirit, when the spirit is at work, new relationships are forged, right? People who you didn't think you were supposed to be in relationship with, all of a sudden, you're in relationship with, right? I had a discipleship group. It was one big African-American guy, football player, me, a, a white guy, and a Latino brother, right? And we had like accountability group and we'd hang out in the food cart of the mall and people would walk by and just stare at us, right? <laughs> look at us, stare at us, look at us, stare at us. And I realized it's like, they're trying to find context. Like in what context would that group of guys be together? Like they're trying to figure out what is this? Not a football team, no, because there's that Asian guy. <laughs> like, I can make, yeah, Asians can make fun of themselves, but no, okay. <laughs> you can't make fun of me. Um, <laughs> uh, in what context? And the guy who was leading the group is like, you know, it's only in the context of Jesus Christ that we can be together and be brothers 
And I think that's true. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to leave with one story of the power of the Holy Spirit bringing community together. Uh, when I was in college, Whitman College, I was part of a campus ministry, and I became a leader, a small group leader, um, in, um, in a freshman dorm. And uh, the first few weeks, we were inviting people to the dorm, and the first Bible study we held in the basement of the dorm, in, in the study lounge, and there was like 30 people packed in there, 30 people. And I was so excited, it's like, woo, woo, woo. And week after week, like non, non-Christians and Christians alike. So we had people who grew up Christian, people who were like, what? They had pretty cool signs and good food they were offering. They offered food, so they were coming to the Bible study. But as the Bible study began to progress, um, a group of women came up to me who grew up in the church and were used, you know, were Christians. And they were like, we feel like we need something more. Like, we need more discipleship. We need more intensity of scripture. And I know you have all of these other people in there, but can you, like, make it more Christian, right? And, uh, and then the other part, uh, there was these two guys uh, who were not believers, who would come, and they were like devil's advocate in the Bible study. Like, everything you bring up, they're like, what about this? What about this? And you just wanted to punch their lights out, right? But then we were like, but what are we here for, right? And they were like, man, I feel, they were like, I feel like we want to know more about Jesus, but there's kind of this Christian culture that gets in the way, right? We feel like there's this, like, churchiness that we don't really understand or, you know, the lingo we don't, we don't fit in with. And so I'm sitting there with my co-leaders and like, what do we do? And of course, I'm an evangelist. I'm built more to saying, forget you, Christian community, like, let's go after the non-believers. Uh, so I was like, finally, the resolution was, oh, I'll meet with these guys, these men. And so I asked these non-believing men, <laughs> my language was discipleship, so I was like, do you want to do discipleship together? They're like, what? <laughs> discipleship? Yeah, you want to talk about Jesus? You want to know more about Jesus? You want to learn about Jesus? Let's, let's do that. And they said, okay, let's do that. And then we kept doing the Bible study and, you know, my other leader, you know, <laughs> mentored them and built community with the church people, and I hang out with these men uh, a lot, significantly invested in them. And near the middle of the year, I got into a conversation with one of these men, Pat, and I was, we were talking, we were going back and forth, and I just felt this prodding by the Spirit, like, push it, like, go all in, like, just push it. And so I was like, what, Pat, what would it take for you to be a Christian, to become, to say yes to Jesus? Anything. And I was like, oh my gosh, don't put the Lord your God to the test, right? But there's something urging in me is like, like, go for it. Like, take it. What would it take? And Pat's like, 
if God brought a fireball from the sky right in front of me, I will say yes to Jesus. And I was like, no! Inside, I'm like, no! But there's that prodding, that pushing, pushing still, pushing, pushing. And I said, okay, let's pray about that. <laughs> and so I was like, God, you better show up. Let's pray, God, Lord, Pat wants to know more about you, wants to know you, wants to know that you're there. So bring a fireball into his life. Amen. And so we left, and I was like, oh, forget it. He's gone. Like, this isn't going to happen. And, uh, but about two weeks later, we're hanging out, we're hanging out, and Pat comes running into my dorm room. Our door was always open. He's running in there and says, guess what? Guess what? You'll never believe what happened. I'm like, what, what, what? I saw a fireball. I'm like, What? What? Yes, I was walking across campus and I was crossing the street and there was a red fireball that seemed to be like floating right in front of me. And apparently, I mean, the explanation was there was the stop sign, it was at night, and the cars that were passing by, the headlights were shining on the stop sign. And from the angle that he was, at, it looked like this bright, shining red fireball floating. And I'm like, is that enough for you? He's like, it's enough for me. <laughs> uh, and he's, that evening, we prayed and he received Jesus into his life. But there's more to the story because he had this friend, let's call him Rob Bowery, and uh, we had this friend, um, and they had made a deal together. And the deal was, if any of us, like, are stupid enough to become Christian, right, fall for this Christian thing, it's your job to tell the other person why and convince them why. So I didn't know about this, and... So, a week later, Pat comes in with Bob, or I said Rob, right? Bob, and he's like, he's like, Bob wants to become a Christian. I'm like, what? What? And they tell, tell me about this deal, and I guess, you know, he had the right words to say to convince Bob to give his life to the Lord. And so, we, we prayed right then, the three of us, to become uh, to receive Jesus into his life. And that year, that Bible study was like one of the foundational times for me in my calling into ministry because it was the Holy Spirit, it was God at work in the mission uh, to make real lives change and transform for real and miracles to happen. And... Uh, those two are still believers, and they've led people to the faith. Um, yeah, there's more. Um, but that's the fireball story. And so I'm going to leave us <laughs> um, with the question, as God is a connectional, relational God, and we see the us in the Trinity, and we are made in God's image, 
how are we being compelled or called to be relational and connectional with the people around us? In a time when disconnection seems to be, right, the word of the day, right, the spirit of the times, what does it look like for us to connect um, with people? So who is God calling you to connect with? Who is God calling you to connect with? Reflect on that as we, as I pray and we continue in worship. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. We pray to you, Holy Spirit, that you would be unifying us as a community um, and only in your power, not by human means, but by your means. Will you draw us together and unite us in a way that we don't fully understand? Make us your church. Make us your spirit-led church. In Jesus' name, the Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>